Hello and welcome to this episode of GasCast. I'm your host Max Alderson and I'm joined as always by Tom Metcalf. How are you doing Tom? Yep. And uh, this week we're joined by Nathan Cartmel. She's flown all the way in from Florida, especially to speak to us, haven't you Nathan? Just for GasCast. Yep, no other reasons, no no football matches that you've come to watch or anything like that? Nothing, not to my family, not to my friends, just for GasCast. Fantastic, we appreciate that very much. Um, how are you doing Nathan, are you okay? I'm good, thank you for asking. Thank you for having me on GasCast again and I'm doing very well, thank you. It's your hat-trick, isn't it? It's your third appearance? It is, it is my, well, Johnson Clark Harris didn't get a hat-trick on Saturday, he almost did, but it would have been my JCH hat-trick. Yeah. yeah, we well, haven't got a match ball or anything like that. Sorry, no, we've got oh. nothing to give you. I mean, um, we haven't even got a mug or a, a ball or anything. <laughs> nothing, so. not even like a little carriage clock or anything. Nothing. Um, yeah, sorry about that, Nathan. Sorry, mate. Um, let's get started with some general questions before we dive into the analysis of the past couple of matches and look ahead to this weekend's fixture. Um, so, well, let's start with the Bristol Post because um, there's been quite a little bit of talk on Twitter and on the forums. Um, about an article that the Bristol Post ran this week about the attendances at Rovers, um, which are well down on last season, down by 13%, in fact. Um, why do we think that is, guys? Matt, let's start with you. Um, personally, for me, I think it's the the pretty much the dross of the football that's on offer. It was, it was bad last season. It's a bit better this season, but it's still not entertaining to watch. I don't get as excited as I did previously uh, to go and watch the games does seem a bit like we're we haven't really got a style to play it seems a bit uh rigid now to the 352 it doesn't seem like there's a lot of flexibility and it. it is just quite boring i have to say um i know for a lot of people it would be more kind of off field like stadium matters and that but for me it's all about the football yeah i mean it'd be interesting to ask you this nathan because obviously you watch a lot of games on i follow when you're at home in florida do you still watch every game or are you are you sort of similar to a lot of fans? There are some games that you just think I can't be bothered to watch it this week. Uh, I still watch every game, but most of the time it's because for me it kicks off in the morning. It's like 10, 10 o'clock in the morning that our games kick off. So there's not a lot else going on at that time in the morning. So sure, I'm yeah. not too busy with other things. So watch Rovers or not watch Rovers, like I always will. Um, to an- like My only answer to the question, I, I think Mets is right. It, it I think it's a melting pot of issues. Like it's the off the field stuff it's the on the field stuff it's yeah, Graham Coughlin have has to replace what is a legendary manager at Rovers there's not a hype from Daryl used to almost put bums on seats because of his reputation I feel like and also as we keep saying I know you guys mentioned on the pod a lot the off the field issues are almost just as important as the on the field issues this season and I think again we've talked about us hitting a glass ceiling I think Harley wrote about it um as well recently um i think it's at a point where people know that we're not going to go up we're hopefully not going to go down it's it's just status quo and i think once you get the status quo people don't want to turn up to watch the status quo and they'll find other things to do and i think that's exactly where we're at yeah i think you're spot on there it's hard to disagree with any of that um i think yeah it's 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 it's, it's, it's almost a come down hangover of the dc era but at the same time like you say why would you turn up um every week when you know there's no ambition or even ability to get anywhere near the playoffs or or, or, or any kind of promotion push. Um, I think a, s- a secondary thing um, is like a hangover from the DC era thing is the kind of bond that supporters used to have with the players. Yeah, like we used to have point. songs for a lot of players and we used to be really, like it used to feel really close to them. And now it's like it's only really Kilgore that, and JCH that you feel like a lot of affection for. Yeah. 
yeah. I, I think maybe as well um you could look at that in lots of different ways i think with the amount of signings we made um the amount of signings we made in the off season it's going to take a little while um for us to get, build that sort of relationship with the players maybe by mid-season you know a few of a few of the newer players will become firm favorites etc but it's almost a culture thing i agree with you it's it, the, the culture at the club has changed a bit and it's us adapting to that culture change yeah i agree with what you're saying about maybe in time we will develop those bond with players but that generally only happens when those players do well yeah you don't really have much of a bond well i certainly don't with players from the past who gave us mid-table finishes you know i'm not a massive fan of matt gill he's not you know he's not like a rovers <laughs> legend who i was massively close to after three 15th place finishes in league league two league two i literally forgotten all about him yeah. so yeah i agree with you so i mean you know the the squad turnover is quite high i mean we're sort of churning through players now getting rid of them the dead wood recycling and getting yeah. getting new players in and there's no real culture like you were saying because there's no there's no series of positive results the only likability that we have for some players are the ones who are doing it week in week out like Johnson Clark Harrison is, is getting us results um, I hate to say it but quite quite often single-handedly um, so there is an affection for him but the rest of them they are just people who are in our, a mid-table side in League One who are keeping us going it's hard to, to, to find that emotional connection with them obviously Alfie Kilgore is different because he's come through the youth ranks and he's one of our own um, but yeah generally those players that we were so affectionate towards were ultimately promotion heroes, and that's that's why we were so close with them. And it's gonna might be a while before we get that with another batch of players again. I would say as well, like commercially, obviously Tom Gorringe does a great job, and you've had him on the podcast, you know, a while ago to talk about everything he does. There's only only so many ways you can sell us as a football club now, um, and there's so only so many things you can do to attract people to Memorial Stadium on a Saturday because it's not, you know, it's not a great venue. It's it's a lot of tents and a couple of nice bars and that's about it and and it, people will find other reasons to go if the, if the product on the pitch ha- is really the only selling point to attract people there often on a Saturday so I think that plays a factor as well yeah it certainly is a, a I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it crossroads but we're definitely in in a rut as a club at the minute we're in we're in uh, yeah a bit of a rut a bit of a we're trudging through the waters quite slowly and can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel it's sort of there we've got a little bit of hope that we're sort of crawling towards but until it gets a bit closer and we can see what our future is, we're just going to sort sort of keep bumbling along, I think. And um, I think a lot of people are starting to accept that. And like you guys were saying, deciding to do something else on their Saturday. And um, judging by the quality of the football on the pitch, you can't really blame them too much. Um, let's move on <laughs> after that very cheerful topic um, <laughs> onto some match analysis for the last two games. Um, let's start with Burton Albion. Um, the consensus is that it was probably a good performance in which we deserved three points, uh, at least a point, and we were actually very unfortunate to come away with nothing at all. Uh, speaking to a few people who went, that seemed to be the general uh, vibe of the match. Um, Nathan, what did you make of the game? Um, I didn't... It's one of the few games I didn't watch on iFollow because um, I was actually here and I didn't go to away games. So all I have to go off are the mat- uh, what other people said... Um, matches what you said basically that it seemed like we dominated for large spells and just couldn't didn't have that killer final ball and lack that killer instinct matches a little bit you know away from home so far we really have struggled to score goals um and i think it seemed to it sounded like it matched that theme in the sense of we had a lot of possession a lot of the play but just couldn't seem to 
had the killer pass and put the ball in the back of the net away from home. Have we scored a goal away from home yet in the league? Was it Blackpool 2-0, Coventry 2-0? No, we haven't. Burton 2-0. No, it's a good point. 2-0. 2-0, yeah. It's three 2 nils. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's frustrating. Um, Mets, you know, it's, it's, it's the away form is obviously bad. Three 2-0 wins. What's, what's so different between the away performances and the home performances and how we set up? Because it seems to be the same formation. Yeah, it does seem to be the same formation. I think... I'd say, if anything, it'd be maybe just home advantage at this point is just shading it for us. I can't think of much else that's really um, different between away and home. Well, especially the lineups, they're exactly the same. Yeah. So there's no reason why that there's no reason why we're getting results at home. I think we're unbeaten in the league at home compared to away. Uh, home advantage, maybe I don't know. Maybe a mental thing. Well, Black, Blackpool and Coventry are both in the top four, I think. Um, last time I checked, they've both been had really good starts and they do look two really good sides. Um, so those results I'm not too worried about. The Burton result was quite a late-on loss and we did dominate for large periods of the games. Nathan, do you think we've just been unfortunate with the early fixtures and do you think uh, before Christmas we'll start to go on a little bit of run and pick up a little bit, a little bit of form away from home or do you think this will continue? Uh, it seems to be weird, like... I, I pray for the season where we can start to put it together where we're either seem to be really good at home and awful away or really good away and awful at home. And you can just see the inconsistency. The, the only thing I would add like from the away games I've watched so far and I follow is that our front two have been a lot more isolated away, away from home. Like they seem to struggle. The fullbacks aren't able to get forward as much more. We seem to get pushed back a fair bit. Um, and we've struggled to create a lot of chances for them because of that. Um, so yeah, I th- unless we start to, I think away almost is where we needed someone with that little bit of magic because you're going to have less possession. So you need to do more with the possession you have. And I just don't know if we have like, especially in the middle of the park, a creative spot to do that. No, we only seem to have that talisman up front uh, in Johnson. We, I think we've spoken on previous episodes about how uninspiring our central midfield is. Um, it's interesting what you said about the two strikers being isolated. I actually think the Burton game was the first time we played with the wing-backs, with the five at the back, because um, the first time we played that was against uh, Tranmere at home. And before that, the two the two away games, I think we played the 4-4-2 Diamond at Blackpool and uh, Coventry. Um, and, and that Burton result, we did have quite a high number of shots. I think it was 20 shots overall, 18 in the box. Mets, is this just, mathematically speaking, is this just going to... You know, judging by the amount of shots we had in the box versus Burton compared to the previous two games, is it just a matter of time before we start picking up points? Yeah, like stats like that are always reassuring. You know, if you're creating chances, eventually you will score. And don't forget, Johnson's only what seventy five percent fit, despite yep. his heroics. So, yeah, it's coming. If we're if we're dominating a team like Burton that much away from home, then yeah, the the results will come. Yeah. Well, last episode we spoke quite at length about Tom Nichols going on a little bit of a run of form. Um, Nathan, were you surprised that he didn't smart start against Burton despite his um, four goals in three uh, three games in four games? Three, three goals in four games, <laughs> get it right. I mean, sometimes if he scored that many goals, it's easy to get confused because he hasn't done so far. Um, yeah, I was really surprised. Um, I think that he was in the best run of fo- best mini run of form of his Rovers career so far. Um, I went to the Brighton game and he was man of the match. He played exceptionally well. He caused them uh, two very good centre-backs, including, you know, Webster had just gone there for 20 million from the lot down the road. Caused them loads of problems. He looked sharp, fantastic finish. And you thought, this, you know, this is the peak of his confidence and he's playing really well. 
we have to ride this train of confidence from him. He's a confidence player. I, th- I think James from the Bristol Post said that. Uh, he said he needs, the only way you can get the best that thing out of Tom is when his confidence high, he needs to start. And it just seemed to be a little bit of probably a kick in the teeth for him. Is like, well, what more can I do um, to start, you know, in Oversmith? Um, and I, I honestly think that that was a mistake. Um, I really would have liked to have seen him start against Burton. I wonder if he was, because he came off against Plymouth on the Tuesday with tightness. So I wonder if he was just, uh, Graham was just basically protecting him a bit. Maybe. Um, but he said, I remember the only thing I did here before that game was his pre-match. And he just said it was a big decision between the two strikers. And I think that was it. Um, and then he was referring to, you know, Tyler Smith and Tom Nichols. But maybe you would like to think hopefully that. But yeah, I, I really think it was a mistake not starting him. Yeah, the Plymouth game was after the Burton game, wasn't it? I think he meant Brighton. Oh, sorry, Brighton. Yeah, he yeah, did yeah. come off against Brighton with cramp Mets as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Um, yeah, let's move on to the Accrington game, um, which was an interesting game to say the least. <laughs> a very eventful game for the neutral. Um, I certainly didn't enjoy it <laughs> as as a Rovers fan watching it for for ninety minutes. But I'm sure um, a neutral fan would have got their money's worth out of that ninety minutes of football. Um, it was a fantastic start for Rovers. An early goal from Alex Rodman, uh, who was playing in the hole behind the two strikers, set us on our way. And in my opinion, I think that opening 20 minutes, we looked as good as we've looked all season. Yep. I think we were creating a few chances. We were unlucky not to go 2-0 up a couple of times. Uh, we controlled the play. Accrington did not look at the races at all. Um, and if I'm honest, I was I was thinking, you know, if we carry on the way we are, we're actually maybe looking at playoffs, giving our home form. Obviously got ahead of myself because uh, given the <laughs> fact that Accrington then went and scored two goals in two minutes on the 20-minute mark, uh, when we went 2-1 down, it was uh, a catastrophic collapse, which we never seemed to really recover from. Um, it was a mad few minutes. Mets, do you think that game in particular and those two goals we conceded in succession is the first time we've seen Rovers look defensively fragile this season? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's no coincidence that it was Pace that kind of did it because it was um, their 32, I can't remember his name, running it, um, Craig, and then their number seven running it, Davis, and they both looked shaky. They didn't, obviously they're not, they're big centre-backs, they're not quick. I mean, um, Craig's old as well, which doesn't help. But yeah, that was definitely, we've always said with the back, with that centre-back pairing that pace is going to be their downfall anything in the air they're absolutely fine and they're good in the tackle but once they're exposed then that's the problem and I think actually I think the warning signs were there right from the start because I felt like Accrington were playing out in their own box to pull us on to lump it into the space behind the full uh, behind the wing backs and then try and run at our centre backs and I think in those two minutes I think it happened well apart from just running through our mid- non-existent midfield um, that's when they really, really look dangerous. And then number seven caused us problems all day. Yeah. Like we couldn't get the ball off him. And any time he ran at someone, they basically shit themselves. It was, it was a, yeah, that showed our defensive frailties where we're weak. We're good in the air, good in the tackle against pace. We're going to struggle. And they're league one defenders. So are not overly upset about it. And if, if the, cent- if the f- um, wing backs are doing their job properly, they shouldn't be exposed like that. So it's, uh, I'm not too upset about it, but it's definitely where we are weak. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see other teams targeting that from now on. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask next is, is do you think that teams will exploit that? And no doubt they will with the level of scouting and videos available to clubs uh, these days. Um, but 
I personally think we'll be okay because I think we definitely had a missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle against Accrington in Ed Upson, who protects that back four so well. Yeah. How much did we miss him, Nathan? Missed him a lot. And I think, I know we talked about this before we started recording, um, that the main, you know, the main contributing factor is like the difference between it last season. I don't think anyone would have really missed or thought they missed Ed Upson a lot, but you know, him not being in the side um, on Saturday made a huge difference. Uh, having to play Rodman in that position, although, you know, his attacking his attacking flair and ability is good, left huge holes for them to run through, uh, as Matt said. A left our, you know, the central two, very exposed. And the main thing we missed is a go-go is a runner and he's aggressive and he wins the ball back, but he needs Upson there to pass it about three yards to, to do his passing for him because he just can't seem to pass the ball. Um, so we really missed ups and, and the, I, I would also would say, especially when they went down to 10 men, we have no one to transition the ball very well from the middle of the park forward. Um, Upson has done a really good job of that this season, um, bringing the ball out of the sort of defensive midfield, linking it to the attacking players, etc. We looked lost at times in, in the sense of if either of the fullbacks weren't available, we were kind of turning around in big circles, not knowing what to do with the ball. Yeah, spot on. I think that's going to be a recurring theme this season. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that... <coughs> Sorry again. <laughs> I think that's going to be... That's it. quite phlegmy, that one. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> Enjoy that one? Um, I think that's going to be a recurring theme this season is is the lack of creativity in the midfield. Um, Matt, Agogo was pretty much doing two men's work out there because we had Rodman in the hole. Like Nathan was saying, um, I noticed him drift wide quite a lot rather than stay central, which left us quite open. Do you think the experiment with Robin in the hole worked? I know he scored, but we were quite open on the counter-attack. No, I don't think it's worked at all. Like you said, he drifted out and it just left us horribly exposed in the middle. And I don't think it helped, as Nace said. Every time a go-go did win it back, he looked up. Ollie Clark was nowhere to be seen. Rodman's drifting out wide. His only real option is to go back to Davis and Davis to like launch one. And I've noticed Davis' distribution is pretty decent, especially up to Johnson, but still... That's not what you want us to play. You want us to be pl- playing the ball forward on the floor. But yeah, I, I wouldn't do it again. I, he did it against, um, I think, Brighton. He brought off Nichols and brought on Rodman, put him in the hole. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Brighton. And it, yeah, it was. It, it didn't he did work it against then. Oxford as well. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't work then. So I think that's a, a no. I know I can understand why he wants to get Rodman in because he is a fantastically talented player, especially at this level. But shoehorning him into a position where he's not going to be able to do it, I, no, not for me. Yeah, and um, Ollie Clark usually plays at the front of those three um, with a go-go and ups and behind him being the defensive, more defensive-minded players. Um, so I would have preferred uh, Ollie Clark to be there. Um, but unfortunately, you know, when, you've, when you're missing it ups and you haven't really got a choice. Um, well, there is I a just choice. W- this is, this this is the is annoying. Oh, you're going to yeah, say... Th- yeah, I was going to say, I mean... We've got Cam Hargreaves in the squad, who's mm-hmm. a natural defensive midfielder. I know he's young, um, but for me, on a b- when when they went down to 10 men, when we were 3-2 up, taking Rodman off and bringing on Kyle Bennett in the same position just made us even more open. And ultimately, yeah. that's what um, started the run that then caused, the, caused us to give away a penalty and ultimately draw 3-3. Um, now, my question is, if Cam Hargreaves can't come on in that situation then what the hell is he and the other youth team players doing at the football club, Nathan? True. And you've got, you know, we've got Cam Hargreaves, you've got Luke Russ, who's out on loan at Gloucester City at the moment. We've got players who are available in those positions to, to play a pro out of position in there. 
instead of you're correct i mean why have the development squad if we're not there to pull players in for that exact reason we've had players come in from that development squad michael kelly andre jr etc who have done a really good job when called upon i think you have to trust that process and you have to you know bite the bullet i know you know it's difficult when your head's on the chopping block as a manager giving youth a chance is often the hardest thing to do but i think it's what we're it's one of our foundations as a football club and I think that's actually something playing young players that are coming through is actually something that helps with attendances because again, with same with Alpha, you see the youth players that they're exciting to watch. Um, I, I think that's part of, and it always has been a part of our culture ever since I've been watching where I was to bring those young players through. So I think that is something that, you know, speaks to link back to what we were talking about before. Not only would playing young players in their right positions help our formation, it would also help the, bring back the culture of the club that we know and love as well. And there's a secondary thing to that is we can always change the formation. We don't have to stick. Yeah, true. If we haven't got the players available, don't do 3-5-2, th- do 4-4-2, yeah. 4-4-3, whatever we've got, 4-3-3, sorry. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel to me like Graham's got the kind of, and we've we've said this before, like the tactical nous to be able to change things in a game. I think against the Brighton game, we looked good in, in the 3-5-2 and then he changed it to try and win the game, but we actually looked weaker yeah. all over the pitch and I I struggle to I kind of think he's basically he's found the 3-5-2 if he's thought about it and done it fair enough if he's just kind of stumbled upon it because he's got the players to do it I don't care it's getting results but then you have to know when to change it I know DC did a project every game I think Graham could maybe do a project when he hasn't got the players to do his main kind of thing. Yeah, he's definitely showing... Um, we're learning about him as a manager as the weeks go on. And I think a lot of people were very frustrated on Saturday with his decisions in the match. The starting lineup, okay. Rodman in the hole is not the worst idea. He scored a goal. It looked okay. But the inability to change it up, particularly against 10 men, I think wound a lot of people up. Nathan, we seem to struggle against playing against 10 men. Why do you think that is? Um, what do you think we should be doing better? Max is a good host because I was already going to interrupt and make this exact point. <laughs> and he read my mind and did it for me. Um, it's two examples this season. We've played against nine men against Tranmere. Well, 10 and nine against Tranmere and 10, you know, against Accrington. We've been the poorer side, both in all three instances in t- across two games when we've had... Can uh, I read some stats out to you? Please uh, for do. The, for the second half when Accrington had 10 men. Yes. And we had 11. So I love that. Accrington had 54% possession with 10 men. Not surprised. They had 12 shots to our four. Wow. Both had two on target. Um, they had four corners. We had one. So generally, they dominated that second half, I would say, that's, with, that's with a, less men. That's horrific. Yeah. And I think, you know, to go back to Metz's point, the inability to be able to change a formation during the game is really coming back to roost here. And as soon as you have a man advantage, you know, you need to get we have to push up the pitch more, you have to get wider, you have to... It's just almost set rules and, and I think that we're too predictable when that happens. I agree. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you can't say Accrington didn't deserve it, really. I think um, I think they fought harder than us, they wanted it more and ultimately they got that goal and uh, were well, well worth the point and we just need to be better and we've got a, a good run of games after the Lincoln game. We've got Gillingham at home Wimbledon away where we really need to start picking up points otherwise we might be looking down the table which we really don't want to be doing this early on um, let's move on from the Accrington game then um, you know it's it's been a mixed bag of opening games overall two wins two draws three losses um, a big concern is that at home we seem to play like an away side less possession more long balls playing on the counter maybe with the exception of the Tranmere game where we dominated procedures and um, 
in my opinion, we don't really control the pitch or do anything to di- dictate the play. Um, we predominantly play long passes, like I said, which works well at times, but only on the counter-attack. And we're not really good at breaking any teams down. So my question is, if Bolton and Berry weren't in the situations that they are, at this stage, would you be worried, Matt? Um Mm, that's a good question actually um i'm not worried at the moment because of the reason because bury and bolton um no, i'd say no i think we're i think we're in that position like we said earlier we're not good enough to trouble the playoffs we're not bad enough to go down there's there's teams that are in worse states than we are like south end and wimbledon which is looking like a big game for us now y- yeah I'd, i'm not i'm not particularly worried uh, Mike, well, yeah, but would you be worried if if those two clubs weren't filling? No, the two even relations? then, even then, I think I'd feel all right. Nathan, I would. The only caveat to that is we're still. I mean, showed again on Saturday. We're still reliant on JCH as a primary goal scorer. The only concern is we need to have enough points come January to safely say that we would be won't get sucked into a relegation scrap because I don't know if we can replace him with a player of that similar caliber. Um, that would be my main worry is is being far enough away from that you know it's basically two go down now almost as good as and it's being far away enough from that pack that we don't get sucked into it come the new year absolutely yeah okay um let's move on to looking ahead at the lincoln game um it's pretty much going to be a really tough away fixture for us lincoln have been going from strength to strength in recent years two promotions in three years they've invested well uh spent within their means and have a really strong looking squad that in my opinion looks like it might make the playoffs um the limelight's firmly going to be on them this weekend with the departure of the Cowley brothers to Huddersfield um before we go into detail on the game itself um I just want to draw on the similarities uh, between Cowley at Lincoln and Clark at Rovers it seems like the Cowleys have taken the leap to the championship when DC didn't similar opportunities Huddersfield and Leeds two sides um obviously two Yorkshire sides big clubs um obviously leads a much bigger club but two sides that were in disarray um leaving quite a stable club at the time an exciting club in league one for a for a, a club that's in disarray in the championship um will you guys be watching with interest on this one to see how it works and do you think it can be drawn drawing parallels with daryl clark i don't think there's much parallels to draw actually i'd say although yeah you're geographically similar leads are obviously bigger but leads at the time their owner was a complete mentalist, so yeah. I think it was they were really unstable, whereas Huddersfield aren't gonna go mental. They're just gonna invest wisely, build slowly, like they have done all along. They've got a really good chairman there. So I think from that point of view, I think there's few parallels to draw. However, I think it's a weird one because Lincoln are doing that thing where you get promoted and you do really well in your first season. It's the second season that you kind of really struggle and it's a weird one for them, I think, because they could stay at Lincoln, get a League One season under their belts, and then I think there'd be more options for them in the summer. I think there will be potentially bigger clubs than Huddersfield looking at them. With all due respect to Huddersfield, they're in a bit of a bit of a state. So uh, parallels, not so much. But for them, I think it's a bit of a gamble. I think they should have maybe stayed till the end of the season. You never know; they might have got Lincoln to the championship, maybe. Playoffs would have been absolutely fantastic for them, and then they their CVs they would have been really riding high then. They could have kind of asked for whatever job they want, really. Yeah, I think the Cowie brothers as well play a very direct brand of football um, that will probably suit Huddersfield more. The problem with DC going to Leeds is that you're right at the time the owner was getting rid of managers after two to three months on a constant loop. 
Um, Huddersfield have more stability and I don't think they would be expected to play a fast attacking brand of football that Leeds fans always demand. So I think it's it's a good entry-level championship club, even though it's a club that's just come down from the Premier League for them to go to. But you're right. I think maybe especially if they... They had a good chance of getting Lincoln promoted again. And the only thing for me is, like, it's a what-if. Like, how many managers in their career can say they've got three straight promotions? Like, yeah. I think that they maybe have bitten the bullet a little bit too quickly, but they must see something in the Lincoln squad or side that, that they don't think... They think the best way of themselves getting to the championship is taking this appointment. So, yeah, to answer the question, there are parallels to the situation, but I think I can see why they said yes and DC said no. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Um, how much do you think losing what is pretty much the most influential management team in their history will have an effect? How, how much of an effect do you think it will have on the team on Saturday? Because I just want to sort of point towards Luton last season, who lost Nathan Jones to Stoke um, about two-thirds of the way through the season and pretty much carried on and won the league. Um, Nathan, do you think that they'll pretty much carry on as they were or do you think this will affect them? Um, they've got a decent squad for this division. Um, again, it, it's all about maintaining the... It's not letting this define their season and I think that's always the most difficult thing when, again, you have a big change at a club like we did. If they can ride out the initial wave, um, I, I think that, you know, on Saturday for us, it does it help or hinder us? It's somewhere in between. But I think for them, it's all about riding riding out the the wave of, of you know a huge change at the club. If they can come out the right side of that, they still have a chance of getting promoted. I think. Yeah, um, I'm expecting a tough game. It was a bad day at the office for them last week, losing three one at Wickham. Joe Jacobson, former Rovers left back, left back or right back? Left, left, back. left back. He's got a yeah. lovely left peg. Um, with a hat trick from set pieces, two corners, and a free kick. A bit of trivia for you there. Um, looking back through their forum this week I was looking at Lincoln's forum historically they tend to bounce back from these bad results that they have away from home um, if they follow up with a, with a good home performance um, so I think there's cause for us to be a little bit cautious with this one and expect a, a big Lincoln bounce back can we buck the trend Mets and, and if we can what do we need to do differently to the other away games um, I haven't got all that much hope um, I'm not being pessimistic, just kind of realistic. We've been not very good on the road. Um, what we need to buck the trend, I think, Upson coming back into into that three. Otherwise, a change of formation um, and JCH being fit. I think with those two, we've got a chance. Otherwise, I think, yeah, it could be a, a very bad day at the office for us. Let's hope not. I mean, Lincoln have got, I would assume, a smaller budget than us, um, but a far more impressive squad. Um Again, that points back to how congested our wage budget is with some of these high earners that we're almost stuck with. Um, Nathan, do you think that once we sort of do get rid of the deadwood in our squad, it opens up the possibilities to sign the caliber of players that Lincoln have? I was going to make a joke about Lincoln being impish if it comes to me before, and I didn't get to. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think they've done You're right. They've done a good job of building um, a better squad with more depth. Um, they haven't got those high wage earners. I, I think that we we if we can get rid of them we could build like a more well-rounded squad um almost like they have done to get promoted a couple of times but i don't know i, I think they're much much i think they're a more rounded squad and a more rounded side and they have an identity to the way they play and i think that's the main key of the differences between the two sides yeah well let's get some score predictions from the two of you then i know there's not a lot of optimism in the room but we'll start with you, Matt. How much are we losing by? Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 <laughs> to 
I'm going to controversially go Nichols to bag instead of JCH. Ooh. Yeah, I'm feeling it. What about you, Nathan? I'm going to say that for one week, the off-the-field things will affect them a little bit, Lincoln, um, just because it, it happens so close to the end of the week and it is such a big adjustment for them. I think that we might be able to sneak a draw um, just because the off-the-field issues for them will be more of the headline than, than the on-the-field ones. And I think maybe we can get a 1-1 draw. Who's going to score the goal? And also go with Nichols. Oh, oh, big! This is this is more out of hope than expectation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see, I don't think it's going to affect them at all, and I'm going to say that we're going to lose four-one. I think oh, that's big. I think that we've shown our weaknesses against Accrington, and I think with the pace that Lincoln have on their side, particularly Bruno Andrandre, Andran, how do you say his name? Andrandre. That's the one. <laughs> um, on the wing, I, th- I think I think we're going to be exploited quite a bit, and uh, at home, Lincoln have been traditionally very good. Um, and they I think still got Hiram Boateng. No, he's no. X. No, he's MK, MK Dons. Dons. Oh. He was at Exeter. You don't think he ever was at Lincoln? Pretty sure he was. No, he was at Exeter. Um, it's red and white, so I can see it's red and white. Yeah, there. yeah, they have got a lot of good players. I mean, they have got a couple of Bristol City loanies as well. Um, Joe Morrell, one of them. So you know, I, I'm expecting a loss. To be honest, four-one. Uh, I think it's going to be a late Clark Harris penalty um, to bag the <laughs> to bag the goal difference uh, deficit. Um, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. It's a positive result. Uh, of course, that's all any of us want. Yeah. Um, just going to draw your guys' attention to our Patreon account. Um, we've been overwhelmed by the support that we've got from you guys. We can't thank you enough. Um, if you do want to get involved with the Patreon and support us as a podcast and help us with some of the financial burdens we face, um, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.co.uk forward slash gascast. Um, subscribe there for three three dollars a month or seven dollars a month and that'll get you into our exclusive facebook group special thanks this week to joe moon and stefan horn who have become patrons thank you guys uh we hope you're enjoying the new content and the new episodes and yeah we hope we can make it up to you um let's move on to the player in focus section of the podcast this week we asked you on twitter who you'd like us to cover and the winner was of course johnson clark harris who is the man of the moment um Johnson picked up an injury in pre-season and he's not really looked at full fitness as of yet. But even so, he's an absolute force of nature, scoring four goals and looking every bit as dominant as he did last season. Um, Metz, it's looking like he's almost on track to score 15, maybe 20 goals this season based on his early form and the fact that he's not even fully fit. Um, it's, It's sad to say, but every time a player sort of gets in this kind of form or looks good for us, immediately we think about losing him. Is, does that say a lot about us as a club at the minute? Yeah, obviously we're a selling club. I mean, everyone in this division and most of the teams in the division above are selling clubs. So yeah. I don't think there's any um, shame in that. I think it's just we all get that sinking feeling that he's going to go for peanuts rather than big money. But he's on, well, he's still got two years left. So I don't see why we wouldn't get, as long as he stays fit, keeps banging, someone will come in for him and we'll get good money for him. So if we get, you know, maybe 10 goals before Christmas from him and then he goes for over a million, I'm not going to be massively upset. I'll obviously be upset because he's a great asset and he is basically our what's dragging us up the table single-handedly at the moment. So I'll be very upset, but I, I won't be surprised. But for a year's work, I don't think any of us can really uh, begrudge a million pounds. Uh, minimum would be uh, a fantastic bit of business for someone who's only been at the club a year. Um given that the club's sort of treading water anyway. 
do you think we almost need that money more than we need him or do we need him more than we need oh, the money? Oh, no, we need him much more than the money. You reckon? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Where are the goals going to come from if we haven't got Johnson? I don't know. Tom Nichols. Exactly, exactly. yeah, we don't know. <laughs> he is He is everything and it's not just his goals, it's our entire style of play at the moment seems to be Johnson is our number one kind of target man. Everything about our play goes through him. So so do you think he will go in January or do you think we all say no, <laughs> we need him till the summer? <laughs> I can't see us saying no, behave yourself. Who are we going to say no to? I'm not sure, but it depends on the offer, doesn't it? I mean, I guess you've got to weigh up, like I was saying, the money or him. How much do we need him between now and the summer? Um... The, the problem is going to lie in the sense that, as Met said, and, you know, I've seen so many strikers leave Rovers over my many, too many years of watching them, that the problem lies in more in JCH. If he thinks he's he is good enough to go up, make that step up to the championship, he's going to knock on Graham's door and say, I want to go to the championship now. And I think he almost has made him a promise that if he came and scored goals here, he would get him his move. He just had to earn it. So I think the problem is, is that he'll have too much power to basically say that he wants to go and as soon as in this day and age that a player says I'm at this level I'm good enough I need to go we can't really begrudge standing in his way um, and you know as long as he goes to the right club um, there's one probably club that he can't go to but everywhere else is fine um, <laughs> as long as he goes to the right one I, I think we would definitely be accepting of it because of, as Matt said we're a selling club almost like every other one in our division and Rovers historically are I think it's it's difficult and um, I I, I, it's the only if anyone comes in for him where he thinks it's a good move for him and his career as long as he's fit and healthy I don't think we will be able to stand in his way so you guys don't think we can hold out for the fee that we want for him say someone comes in with hypothetically I don't know an, an offer which we didn't think he was worth do you think we'd be powerless to stop him going or do you think we'd hold our ground and say no he's worth this to the team we've got him on a two year contract he's worth this to us so we, we need to stand our ground and get that money for him or he's not going I think, yeah, it's, it's a a weird position for us to be in where we have got a star player on a long contract because generally Daryl always had short contracts so we we're always in a weaker position. So it'd be interesting to see. Maybe maybe Starnes can hold out for some decent money for him. I don't know. It, it's kind of down to negotiation at that point. I think it's going to depend on where he's at with his form. If he continues on this vein of form, if you look over the, you know, the period from when he joined us last year till now, he keeps scoring at that rate I think there'll be more than one suitor for him will be able to then play those clubs off of each other and the feel go up and the closer you leave it to the window the feel go up to once you get towards the end of the month so I think we'd be silly to let him go at the start of the window because we're going to need to give ourselves time to somehow try and replace him as well so we can't do it too late but we shouldn't do it too early so I, I hopefully there'll be more than one suitor and I think that'll increase the fee we need to have a, someone lined up, ready to sign, yeah. so that when that goes through, when JCH goes, we've got the next one straight through the door. But how many times have we said that and we don't yeah. do it? And then we <laughs> yeah, get someone yeah. in with five minutes. Well, we got him in five minutes before the window shut yeah. as a replacement. So it, that is the ideal ideology in theory, but whether it will happen, we'll wait and see. Yeah, well, we, got, we lost Ellis with three weeks to go to the end of the window, and it took us three weeks to get Stefan Payne in, and we only got him in in the 11th hour on deadline day. Because yep. we lost out on Bakayoko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, we do tend to leave it quite long. I've just got some stats on Clark Harris here before we carry on. Love a stat. Love um, stat. Johnson, Clark Harris, 19 starts for Rovers, 15 goals. When you put it like that, it's, it's, it's an insane ratio, to be honest. Um, and at the Memorial Stadium, he's got 10 goals in nine starts. I was gonna, I was just about to say, I swear he scored in every league home game he started, and he has. I don't think he's scored in every game, but he's got 
more goals than he's got. Oh, because he had a hat trick against Blackpool, Blackpool last season. He's got and a, two, brace, yeah, a couple yeah, of braces, yeah. but there have been games where he's blanked at home. But overall, he's scoring more than a goal a game at the Memorial Stadium, which is just phenomenal. Um, you know, just a force of nature, like I said. And he looks an absolute bad man while he's doing it the way <laughs> yep. he struts around the pitch i absolutely love it the way he bullies defenders yeah. i absolutely love it he's got that striker's ego isn't he that you just love yeah and that weird vein when he scores he gets like really like hyper angry and just like <laughs> he looks like he's on the roids a bit I he might be you never know i feel like as well like half the time you don't know if he's like limping because he's injured or if it's just like he's swaggering the way he's walking yeah. around you can never tell it's like is he limping or is he just he's got so much swag that that's all he's doing <laughs> like he's crazy <laughs> Um, yeah, I just want to talk about his potential then, because you were saying about um, there'll be a, a, f- a few suitors for him in the championship. How high do you reckon he can go? Because obviously Taylor looked immense at this level, but couldn't even really start for Bristol City in a side when they didn't really have prolific strikers themselves. He still really couldn't get in ahead of uh, some of their strikers who aren't exactly prolific. So um, yeah, Taylor looked immense at this level, but couldn't step up. Bowden is only just realising his potential. Okay, I know he was injured. And Ellis definitely wasn't good enough for the championship. He he barely barely had any starts, and found himself uh, back in League One within within a year. So how how well do you think Johnson can adapt to the championship if he was to go? I think he can. I think he'll adapt a lot better than say Taylor would because Taylor was very good in the style of play that we kind of played and put a lot of uh, chances for him on the basically on a plate so I think Johnson's kind of the opposite where he can make completely his own goals like we've seen that against Gillingham Plymouth you know like he's done tons of them on his own so I think he is that kind of like manager's dream where you can just stick him up front and he might do nothing for 80 minutes and then just pop up with a an absolute worldie as well as being good in the box good in the air he's kind of like a bit more rounded plus his build-up play is really good I've gone on about that when he first signed just before he started like scoring loads Plus, he wins so many free kicks. Have you noticed? Yeah, he, he does. just gets his body in the way and players just bundle into him. He buys a fair amount of them. But he loves a dive, yeah. He does love a bit of a dive, but it's, it gets us up the pitch. It gets yeah. the team moving, which is, again goes into my reasoning for him being the focal point of the team is that he is the one driving us forward at the minute. So to lose him would be absolutely massive for us. I think we talk about his ceiling as well is that he has been and done it in the championship a little bit before when he was with Rotherham. I know he played in the championship. Yeah. Um, so he knows where he has to get to to play in that league. And I know he wasn't a massive success when he's been in the championship before. He was only it, 21, I think, as well. He was, he was only a youngster yeah. when he was there. So I think he knows in his mind the level he has to play, the physicality he has to play with and, and the finishing ability we know he has. He has all the tools. I honestly think like... If you got him at the right club in the championship, um, I think it would be similar to when Lambert went to Southampton, that he went to the perfect club for him in the fact that they improved him as an all-round player and improved his fitness and his physicality a lot. And I think if he goes to the right club for him in the championship, he, he could be a force in the championship um, for sure. I think he has the... The main thing with him that I notice is from a lot of Rovers players I've seen in recent times, his drive and hunger is insane. And every time you see him interviewed he's almost knowing that he's on this trajectory and he's trying to keep it going. And I think that's playing a massive part in his form for us is that he saw an opportunity come into us to to really put himself out there. Um, and the drive and hunger he has, it comes across in interviews and stuff all the time with him. But I think that will make him succeed at a higher level too. You can't really be upset about a player using us as a stepping stone when, no. when they're that good. So yeah, fair play to him. If he goes up, makes a step up, I'll 
I'll keep an eye out for him. I'll keep an eye out for Billy. His results, how he's doing. He scored the other week for Preston. Chuffed. An absolute scuffer, mine, but still, they all count. They all count, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- I, th- I think it's, like you're saying, it's, it's so important we get a sell-on uh, if if Johnson does go. Because it, if, he, if he does find the right club, if he does go to a sleeping giant of a club in the championship and and ends up being one of the star players in the championship and, you know, the, the fees in the championship now, yeah. even between championship clubs, like one championship club to another championship club, you're looking at 10, 15 million yep. for, for a decent player. If you've got a 10 or a 20% fee on that, that's a couple of million, which is massive. Um, so it, it's so important we get that. And that's why I'm looking so keenly at Billy, because uh, <laughs> if, Billy, if Billy carries on the way he has since he's come back for injury, um, scores 15 goals for Preston this season and, I don't know, for example, Middlesbrough come in with 7 million for him. I think we've got a 10, 15%, 20% sell-on clause. That could be a, a nice tidy sum for us and it makes a big difference in this league. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully, if he does get a move in January or even in the summer, it's to a, it's to a, a decent-sized club where he can continue his trajectory, like you were saying, and, and, and keep moving forwards and hopefully um, make us some more money <laughs> <laughs> in, in the crudest of terms. Um, yeah, that's about it for this week, I think. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Nathan, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. As Flying in especially. Was all that uh, Patreon money is all going towards my flight, so I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> Not really, I'm really joking. <laughs> yeah, we'll try and get you a signed uh, gas cast ball next time to celebrate your hat-trick oh, on yeah. gas cast. I need that yeah. for my hat-trick, I agree with you. Thank you for having <laughs> me, I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Nathan. Mets, thanks for joining me as always. Uh, Gasheads, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, and up the gas. Up the gas. Up the gas.